Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning. I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 14 this morning, beginning in verse 25. Verse 25. If you're using the Pew Bible, that can be found on page 874. Page 874 of your Pew Bible. Now, in 1992, the Sega Genesis was the video game console that everyone wanted, including myself. I mean, who wouldn't want a 16-bit video game device with 512 color palette and an FM sound chip? It was wonderful. It had amazing games that I wanted to play at home. Sonic the Hedgehog, Mortal Kombat, and Joe Montana Football. I really wanted this gaming system. The problem was, it cost $189.99. And that was not even in the ballpark for a birthday present or a Christmas present for me at the time. To complicate matters, I lived in Belgium when I was 12 years old and the Sega Genesis came out, which meant finding ways to earn extra money outside of the household was difficult. However, I did everything that I could to raise money. I saved my allowances. I did extra chores around the house. I babysat for other Americans that lived close by. I searched through couch cushions, car floorboards, the school playground for spare change. And after saving and saving and saving for several months, I finally had saved just enough money to purchase the coveted Sega Genesis. But when I got to the store to buy what I had worked so hard for, I wasn't sure if it was worth it. I hesitated. $189.99 was a lot of money in 1992 for a 12-year-old boy. And I realized that there were many other things that I could buy with the money that I had earned. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like this before. You save and save and save, but when the time comes, you're not sure if it's worth the price of the money that you have saved. You hesitate. Is the Sega Genesis worth foregoing all the micro machines that I could have bought with the allowances that I had? Was it worth all the time spent chopping wood, dealing with rowdy kids? When you have to work for something, you see that it costs more than just some paper bills and coins. It costs all the time, effort, and work that it took to earn that money. It costs all the potential things that you might otherwise buy. You must make a choice and give up what might have been. Whether it's something silly like a gaming console, a new car, a new home. You have to count the cost and ask yourself, is it worth it? In our passage for for today, this is the question that Jesus is asking the crowds. Is it worth it for you to follow after me? Is it worth everything that you will have to forego? Is it worth it to be my disciple? This summer, we have been studying the topic of discipleship. To be a disciple of Christ in its most basic and simple form is to be 
one who follows Christ, who goes where he leads you. It is to trust in his gospel message and by the power of the spirit to obey all that he has commanded. And again, the question that the word of God poses to each of us this morning is, are you willing to pay the price of discipleship? So here now, the word of the Lord, Luke 14, starting in verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down and first deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not... While the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray. Almighty God, who called Luke the physician to be an evangelist and a physician of the soul, may it please you that by the medicines of the doctrine delivered by Him, all the diseases of our souls may be healed through the merits of Your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. What does it cost you to follow Christ? In Luke 14, we see that the cost of following Jesus was, at the time, rather low. And the benefits were high. Look down at verse 25 again of your text and look at the situation in which these words of Luke 14 are delivered. It says right there, now great crowds accompanied him. This should strike you that a large crowd is following after Jesus. Jesus's popularity at this time is very high. Now, up to this point, Jesus was making the Pharisees and the political leaders of his day upset, but the crowds loved him. They loved what he taught. They loved what he did, right? It doesn't take a genius to figure out that if you're providing sound teaching, miracle lunches, and free health care that is 100% effective, you're going to be a rather popular figure. At this point in the ministry of Jesus, the cost of following him 
was very low and the benefits were very high. It's sheer economics, right? Low cost combined with high quality will get you large crowds. Just look at Chick-fil-A. Why is that line so long? Relatively low cost, high quality, it's good. It's not too unlike the present state of the church in America. Relatively speaking, you can claim to be a follower of Christ without persecution. Yes, there are hardships. Yes, the culture at large is becoming more hostile towards Christian morality in particular, but also Christian belief. However, there are still many outward benefits that can outweigh the potential hardships of outwardly claiming Jesus as your Lord. There's a sense of purpose and community. There's good music. There's programs for the kids. And if what the church teaches is true, you get to go to heaven. Seems like a pretty good deal. It gives you something to do on the weekend and eternal paradise when you die. Low cost, high benefits. But the next thing that we need to note in our text is that Jesus is continuing to make his way towards Jerusalem. We're reminded of this by the word accompanied. Now, it might not jump out to you, but it is a translation. This word accompanied is a translation of a Greek term that means to go along with or to travel with. Jesus was not just didn't just have this large crowd with him staying still in one location. Jesus was going somewhere and this crowd was traveling with him. And we know that Jesus was traveling from Galilee in the north down to Jerusalem in the south. And he's going to Jerusalem to die. The irony of the whole scene is that everyone in this large entourage will end up leaving Jesus Along the way. At some point in the journey, the cost will become too high. They will all turn away. Some sooner than others. But down to the Apostle Peter himself, those who follow Jesus when the cost is low will end up denying him when the cost becomes too high. And knowing their hearts, Jesus begins to reveal to them what it will cost to follow Him so they can honestly answer, is it worth it? Now the first thing that Jesus teaches about the cost of discipleship is that true discipleship will cost you your family. Look down at verse 26. It says, If anyone comes to Me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, hating something is not what we might expect to hear on the lips of Jesus. He is the one who has taught us that we are to love our neighbor and even our enemy. It seems strange that we would hear now him say you have to Hate your own family members. Now, of course, we realize that Jesus is not demanding that we have a psychological hatred of our family. For the term hate in this context means to leave aside or to prefer something else, right? For an example, if I have to choose between chocolate and strawberry ice cream, 
I have to hate chocolate and prefer strawberry, right? I don't dislike chocolate ice cream. I don't psychologically hate it and have some vendetta against it. No, but I do prefer something else. And when it comes down to it, when I have to make a choice, I'm going to choose strawberry over chocolate. Now, to follow Christ means that you have to choose to follow him before anyone in your family. It means that the demands he makes will supersede the demands made by your parents. It means that the loyalty he demands is greater than the loyalty to spouse. It means that the direction of your life and of your day-to-day and weekly schedule will be dictated by him and not by your children. Time and time again, the greatest foes to a man's soul come from within his own household. The opposition which relatives may bring to following Christ is strong and difficult to overcome. An unbelieving father who cannot bear to see his son throw away his life following such foolishness. A worldly mother who is grieved by her daughter not being interested in her same worldly activities. A brother who feels like you are now too good for him because you aren't interested in the same sinful practices and behaviors you indulged in when you were younger. A spouse who berates you for wasting all your time at church and is angered by your desire to give. A child who leaves the faith and it makes you question your own beliefs. And to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ means that you're going to have to prefer the way of Christ to the way of family. It means that you're going to have to endure being talked about, left out, and even persecuted by the ones that you love. I feel like I hear well-intentioned Christian folks say things like, family is everything. You might even be able to go down to Hobby Lobby and pick up one of those, like, wall decor things, you know, that are written on the, like, the farmhouse wood, and they have little neat sayings, you know, family is everything. But it's a lie. It's a subtle lie, but a lie nonetheless. For in our culture, there is a cult of family that replaces God with husband or wife, mother, father, children, or grandchildren. It makes children little idols that we sacrifice time and money to their potential or their enrichment. You see, family isn't everything. It is wonderful It's a blessing from the Lord. It may be the highest earthly blessing that we can have in this world. And it is what will it will cost you to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. If you do not hate your father or mother or spouse or children, you cannot be my disciple, says Jesus Christ. You must choose him and his way first. Is it worth it? Are you willing to pay the price for the sake of Christ? The next thing that Jesus teaches the large crowds is that to be his disciple will cost 
your life. Again, verse 26 and then into 27. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You see, it's not just your family that you must be willing to hate. You must be willing to hate your own life. You must be willing to prefer the way of Christ to your own way. Now we are to show that we hate our own lives in favor of Christ by what the text said, carrying your cross and following him. Now remember the context again. Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem to carry his cross to Golgotha. This is the reality of the situation. He looks at the crowds and he says to them, you want to be my disciple? You want to follow me? Then you're going to have to follow me all the way to the cross because that is where I am going. Now, we have come to use the phrase, the cross I bear to mean something like an annoying spouse, a chronic disease, or some type of general suffering that we endure. And that type of suffering can be very real can be a burden. But Jesus is not teaching that to be his disciples, you must learn to passively suffer. The truth is, all of us, whether we are following Christ or not, have pain and suffering in our lives. Suffering is not unique to following Christ. So what does he mean by you must bear your cross? Well, to hate your life, to carry your cross, means for the sake of following Christ, you prefer the life that Christ offers you to your own life. This does not mean chasing after suffering or seeking suffering for the sake of suffering. It means that you knowingly choose a course of action that may bring suffering, but you do it because it is where Christ has called you to go. Many of you know that over the past several weeks, my family and I were on vacation down in North Carolina, a place called Lake Lure. And to get to Lake Lure, there's an easy bit and there's a more difficult bit. You see, part of the way you go down nice, straight interstate. But that last half hour is horrible. Windy mountain roads. Back and forth, back and forth. These are never my favorite because an unnamed person in my family tends to get a little car sick. But we have to endure because the only way to the lake house is through these twists and turns. We could stick to the easy way. We could stick to the interstate. But if we do, we'll never get to our vacation at the lake. And what Jesus is saying is that to be a true disciple means that you're going to have to take the path that he takes. Not because you desire to suffer, but because you desire to follow him. Because you have been convicted that the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life, and no matter the cost, you will follow after him. In Many Muslim countries, such as Pakistan, 
To become a Christian means that you may very well have to choose Christ over your own life. In 1997, a 17-year-old Pakistani girl named Parveen met Anala. Anala was a Christian and began sharing the gospel with her new friend. Anala eventually invited Praveen to a Good Friday service. And when Praveen heard the gospel preach, she gave her life to Christ and was baptized. She began to read her Bible, praise God for her salvation, and share her new faith. But when her parents learned of her conversion, they were furious. They had Anala and her family and her, even her pastor arrested and beaten. Their daughter, Praveen, had to go into hiding, but was eventually found. And to restore the honor of their family, Praveen's brother stabbed his own sister to death. He turned himself in to the local officials, but he was soon released with no charges against him. You see, Praveen did not want to be rejected by her family. She did not want To be killed by her brother. But she did want to follow Christ. And to follow Christ meant that she would have to prefer his way to the way of family. And even to her own life. She counted the cost and Christ was more valuable to her than her very own life. Do you prefer Christ in this way? We live in a time and a place where following Jesus will most likely not lead to death. But Christian, it will lead to situations and times when you will have to prefer Christ over your own way. It will mean loving Christ more than your reputation at work. It will mean loving Christ more than your desire for material security. It will mean loving Christ more than your dream of a perfect family. And you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? To follow Christ will mean sacrificing resources and time. It will mean giving up career paths, relationships and hobbies. Is it worth it? We can become so interested in drawing large crowds that we will falsely advertise the cost of following Christ in the church. We'll highlight all the benefits and downplay all the obligations. But to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, it will cost you your life because that is where Christ is going. He is going to the cross and He is taking you with Him so that you might die. Is following Christ worth it? Not just passively enduring hardship, but willingly choosing the windy mountain road, the narrow path, the way of the cross. Because that's what true discipleship costs. Now Jesus gives the crowds two examples of why we must count the cost of following Him. And the reason He gives is that to be a halfway disciple is not to be a disciple at all. If you're not willing to give all to Christ, then you cannot follow Him. Look what He says in verse 28 through 30. He says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. 
When we lived in South Carolina, I would take my daughter Amelia to gymnastics practice. And along the way, there was this steel building that had been framed out but was never finished. There were weeds growing all inside of it. It even looked like there was a pile of panels or steel beams just lying in the grass beside the building. I don't know what the circumstances were that made it so that this building was never finished, but every time that I saw it, I would think, man, what a waste. That building isn't good for anything because it never was finished. However, there was enough of the building finished that I knew thousands of dollars were spent getting it to this place. But a halfway completed steel building is no better than no steel building at all. In fact, it's worse because it's a waste of money. And what Jesus is saying is that there is no point in doing this discipleship thing halfway. The man who begins a project he can't complete is a fool. He doesn't get what he set out to to get and he wasted his time and money. It's a waste of a life to be a halfway disciple of Christ. To be a true disciple of Christ will cost you all. And so you must give all. Because if you're a halfway disciple, you won't get what you desired. And you'll have wasted your time and money and effort when you could have been chasing after worldly acceptance and pleasure and accomplishments. You must ask yourself, Is Jesus worth my all? Is being a disciple of Christ worth not just the cost of some of your life, but all of your life? Jesus strengthens this point in verses 31 and 32. He gives another example you can see there. He says, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. You need to look at your life like this king looked at the battle. He knew what he was facing. He knew what he had to combat it. He saw the reality that he could not win the battle with what he had. And so he sought terms of peace through surrender. You need to look at your life. And what Christ is calling you to give and ask yourself, do I have the power to give it? Do I have what it takes to follow after Christ? Am I willing and able to give my all? And the answer that I hope all of you come to when you weigh the question of the cost of following Christ, when you say, do I have the power to do it, is no. You don't have the power to do it. You have not, I repeat this, you have not counted the cost of following Jesus Christ correctly if you can answer yes to that question. Giving up all that you have, hating your family, hating your life is a price that you cannot possibly pay. You cannot win this battle. And this is the point of what Jesus is saying. You are the losing king. You are the deserting disciple. And if you seek to follow Christ on your own power, you will be overwhelmed by the cost. And like every single person that was in that large crowd, you will eventually leave Jesus. 
You won't finish the race. You will lose the battle. So what do you do? You do what the king did. You go to Jesus Christ and surrender. For it's only by Him paying this price that we receive the reward. It's only because He hated His family for the call of God and took up His cross laying down His life that we might live. It's only because Christ gave His all that we could follow Him. And so the answer to the cost of discipleship is not to look inward for the resources to follow after Christ, but rather to see that you cannot do it and surrender to Him. Give all to Him, Christian, for it's only by grace that we can learn to give all to Jesus Christ. Even as Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this is what we see in verse 33. Christ makes the connection to following Him. He says, So, therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that He has cannot be My disciple. Counting the cost comes down to realizing that you must surrender to Jesus Christ. You must give all to Him and allow Him to be your all in all. The cost of true discipleship is unconditional surrender to Jesus and His way. And Jesus makes this final point in verses 34 and 35. He says, salt is good. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, true salt can't lose its salty taste. It's the essence of salt to taste salty. But in the time in which Jesus was speaking, the salt that they had was not always pure. It would have other crystalline materials mixed into it. So there were times when the true salt would somehow get leached out. And what was left was this unsalty crystal dust. And it wasn't really good for anything. In this life, it will become plain if you're surrendered to Christ and therefore a true disciple. Or if you are just one of the crowd going along until it costs something. If you're true salt, you'll never lose your saltiness. But if you're a halfway disciple, just going along for the benefits, you'll soon be a pure pile of useless crystals. So there I stood, 189.99 in my hand. Was the Sega Genesis worth it? Was it worth all of that money and time and effort and chores? Of course it was. (laughs) It was a 16-bit eye-popping graphics video game machine. It was well worth it. And Christian... I am telling you that it's worth it. It is worth surrendering all that you have in this life to follow after Jesus Christ. I have spent the last 30 some odd minutes trying to convince you how much it will cost to follow after Jesus Christ. And you might think, my goodness, he's done a good job of trying to make it so that people won't follow after Jesus Christ. But what I'm trying to do 
I am trying to show you how high the cost of following Jesus Christ is to show you how great Jesus Christ is because he's worth that cost. He's worth your family. He's worth your life. He is worth your all. It is worth giving all that you have. For his love is better than the love of family. And his steadfast love is better than life. So count the cost and see that being a disciple of Christ is worth your all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you now in this hour and this time. And we know that we have not rightly counted the cost that we have underestimated. Would you not give us a true sense of the cost of following you that we might see the immeasurable value of having Christ, that we might count all as rubbish in order that we may gain Christ. We pray this in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.